Hello, everybody.、Um, how are you?、Um, I know that we were supposed to have a guest speaker today,、um, but there have been a few moments, you know, in the fifteen some years that、um, I've been doing ministry. There have been a few times where the night before, just you just feel like God is saying, "This is not the message for today." The people need、um, they have a specific need, and and it's and. They need to be ministered to、um, for that specific need, and so last night was one of those moments.、Um, and so、uh, we have decided to share、um, a message that we, we hope will encourage you, because something that became very apparent,、um, you know, in our checkups with you this week is that everybody's feeling so tired、um, and so worn down and just so、um, just you know unmotivated because. There, every day is the same, you know. Every day we have the same routine. Every day we have the same four walls. Every day we have the the, the same five kilometer radius that we can be in,、um, and it's hard to do Groundhog Day over and over and over again.、Um, you know, even my Nike run app can anticipate my next move.、Um, I usually go for a run or a walk.、Um, After lunch, because of the eighty kilometer challenge we've been doing, and I finally finished the challenge this week. Woohoo!、Um, but the day after I finished it, I was feeling like,、ah, should I go out? Like it's raining a little bit, and my Nike Run app like alert came up, and it's like you usually run around this time. Do you want to go? <laughs> and I was like, wow! Even my app can anticipate my moves. That's how predictable my days have become, right?、Um, just the same thing over and over again. And and it's hard to get up and do the same thing over and over again. It's hard to find the motivation and to find that second gear to to get that next burst of energy that we need to keep going. And so I really, yeah, I wanted to to, to today talk about.、Um, How do we finish the race? How do we persevere? It was Roy's birthday yesterday. He he,、um, he turned thirty seven, and I wanted to make it special for him. But it's not the same without being able to celebrate with all of you. It's not the same, you know,、um, because it feels very much like just another day,、um, and so it's a very difficult time for all of us. I know that many of you are exhausted working overtime. Um, working crazy hours with no respite. I know many of you are stressed and worried、um, about the safety of and health、um, of your loved ones, for yourself,、uh, for your family, and of course, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and anxiety about the future.、Um, we can't plan anything.、Um, perhaps you're stressed and worried about your finances and your job. And so tensions are high, stress is high, and hope feels so uncertain. And I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. Whatever you're feeling,、um, I think many of us feel the same.、Um, and even though we all have different circumstances, and although all of us have different challenges that we face,、um, I think there's comfort in knowing that. We're not alone, and people have experienced what we have experienced before. I've really、um, appreciated the 14-day Bible reading challenge that just finished yesterday、um, with with、uh, Pastor Tim Keller and his wife. There was a 14-day through through the first、uh, few chapters of of the Book of Psalms, and I was amazed at how you know 
even though we're going through this global pandemic that is unprecedented, I was amazed at how much of the devotional was was perfect and appropriate for what I was going through. And I think that's that's the beauty of going back to the Bible and and seeing people who experienced things that were unique to them, but that are relatable and universal for all of us. Because suffering and challenge and 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 that desire of the the feeling of wanting to give up and just feeling exhausted and feeling hopeless that's something that um, humanity has been going through for a long time. And when I read about these extraordinary challenges that people experienced and yet how they endured and how they continue to have faith and hope, it it, it gives me hope that I too will be okay, that we too can be a light in the darkness. And that faith and love will always remain. I've been doing uh, weekly Bible study vlogs um, on the book of Philippians. And I've done nine. And I have about four more to go. And uh, week after week, I, I see Paul, who, who was this first century missionary, pastor, evangelist, um, theologian. And, and week after week, you know, as, I, as I'm studying the passage in order to share it with you, all of you, I'm just amazed, you know, here he is locked down in house arrest in Rome, um, not sure whether he's going to live the next day. And yet he's writing these letters. um, And in in particular, in his letter to the church in Philippi, he mentions joy and rejoicing 16 times. Now, how can it be that he was beaten and whipped and stoned and betrayed and imprisoned, but he has learned the secret to joy? Well, let's let's go there straight away. What is the secret to joy? What is the secret to hope? In Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 to 13, um, so this is a little preview of, of what's to come in the next session of our Bible study. Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You see, Paul could endure, he could persevere, he could continue to rejoice because of the one who gave him strength to endure, right? strength to rejoice, strength to love anyway. He goes on to say, or actually this is uh, this part he says right before, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul pressed on because he found in knowing Jesus, his purpose and his power. To know him was Paul's life's goal and mission, to follow in his footsteps through his suffering, his death and ultimately the resurrection. 
To know him was Paul's greatest treasure. Everything else paled in comparison. And, and it's amazing because for Paul, it wasn't like he had nothing to give up. He, he was someone who had to give it all up. He was someone who had it all. You know, he was born around 6 AD to a pretty prominent family. He was a Roman citizen. And so he had the right family, you know, the right birth. He grew up and went to the right schools. He, he tutored, you know, he had his tutelage under the, under the most respected teacher at the time. It's like being at Melbourne High, you know, he had all the top marks. He got into the best field. He was studying the law, you know, he, he was on track to become prime minister, so to speak. He had it all, top of his career. But then on the road to Damascus, you know, he was zealous. And so he, he went above and beyond. So he said, it's not good enough to, to arrest and imprison all the Christians here in Jerusalem, you know, getting rid of the troublemakers. I'm going to go to Damascus. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to, to rat out these Christians who are spreading lies, you know, saying that Jesus is alive. You know, what, what fools to believe um, in such a naive lie. And so he, he's going around. Uh, trying, trying to eradicate Christianity, this new movement. So he's on the road to Damascus, traveling in order to go there and arrest all the Christians. When all of a sudden, this is around AD 33, he sees a bright light. And it's so blinding that he kind of falls to the ground. He's on his horse. He falls to the ground. He, he's kind of um, bewildered and, and, and trying to figure out what's happening. Can you imagine how terrifying it must have been when all of a sudden he... He hears uh, this voice calling his name, saying, why are you persecuting me? A voice that he could not deny, a light that he could not deny. Why are you persecuting me? And, and as he's on the ground and, and he's almost dreading to ask that question, who are you? But I think in his heart, he knew it who was, but he, he's, he's asking, who are you? And he's kind of cringing. Oh, no. Right. And he hears that answer, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. If Jesus was alive, then everything that Saul had been working for now crumbled apart. He could no longer deny that Jesus is alive. And, and, and everything that he was working for was directly in contrast to this very fact. It was so hard for Paul to accept this truth, but he could not deny his own experience. His goals, his ambitions, his life purpose all seem so impossible now. And Paul weakly cries out, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And Jesus says, get up, go into Damascus, and you'll be told what to do. And when the light disappears, and, and, and Paul tries to open his eyes. He realizes he's blind. He's blind. Can you imagine how terrified he must have felt? How distressed? How vulnerable he felt and how incredibly, dis, you know, his whole world view has, has, has been shattered. Everything he knew, everything he worked for, everything he, everyone he cared about seems so unfamiliar and so distant now. Where could he go and what can he do? All he could do was go into Damascus and wait. Jesus didn't say how long it would be. He just said, go and wait, and you'll be told what to do. And for three days and nights, Saul sat in a room, in a house, in the darkness, weeping and crying, refusing to eat and drink, trying to wrap his hand around 
what had happened, wondering what his future would be. He could no longer go back to Jerusalem now and take up his position as if nothing happened. He could not deny his, his, his actual experience, nor could he go to the Christians and say, I'm sorry for arresting and having all your people killed. Can I join you now? He could not understand how could Jesus be alive? How could everything that these Christians uh, have been sharing, how could this all be true? And he was grappling with Old Testament scripture, which he knew so well. He was a lawyer. He knew the law. And he's going back and, and, and thinking about it and meditating it. And then to realize that Jesus was the Messiah, that he, he is the King and he is God and, and he is Lord and Savior. It ripped his heart apart to know what he had done to all the Christians for many years. He had witnessed Stephen, one of the first Christian martyrs, be stoned to death. Paul had been there to, to carry all the cloaks of the people who stoned him so that their clothes wouldn't get bloody. He, he stood there. He stood there watching this happen. And now that memory flooded back for Paul, and he was in anguish and turmoil of mind and heart, where pride and fear and guilt wrestled and wrenched away any hope of peace, any hope of of certainty and hope. But while Paul is in this place, someone comes, knocks on the door, and he comes in to the room where Paul is lying depressed and exhausted and hungry. <laughs> and the stranger put his hands on Paul and said, Brother Paul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you can be see so that you can see again and be filled with the holy spirit and immediately something fell from his eyes and paul could see this man in front of him this man who called him who had persecuted and killed the christians brother this man who willingly came to restore his sight. And this man who believed that Paul could be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of with the fear and doubt that filled his heart right now. This man who said his name was Ananias, a kind, merciful, brave man of God who obeyed God's summons to come and be a bridge builder, to come and extend a hand of fellowship to this man who had been Christianity's enemy who came and embraced him into the community of the persecuted. Ananias said in Acts chapter 22, verses 14 to 16, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. No demands for Paul to prove that he has changed. No test to see if Paul understood everything you know, about what it meant to be a Christian. Simply the merciful, incredible invitation to be baptized, to have all his sins be washed away, to be given a new start, a second chance, the miracle of a new purpose. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. For the next 
30 years, Paul went around the area as far as he could, telling everyone he could this testimony of what he saw and heard and experienced. The good news that God can save anyone, that he had saved Paul, the persecutor of Christians. And now he willingly suffered persecution himself from city to city, getting stoned, beaten, rejected in prison. He never gave up because he had that image of Jesus in his mind. And that singular focus of keeping his eyes on Jesus is a theme that we find throughout Paul's writings. For example, in his letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul says we don't, we don't give up, we don't lose heart because... We have the mercy of God who we can see with our mind's eye face to face. And, and that fixing our eyes on Jesus, it changes us day by day. As we think about Jesus and his character and his will, we become free from our anxiety, free from our fears and our pride and our flawed thinking. And as it did for Paul, this freedom brings about direction and purpose it gives us hope and strength and endurance to face whatever challenges life throws at us. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, although we're suffering through this lockdown, this pandemic, and, and whatever other challenges we're all going through, you know, it's so normal to feel discouraged and to want to give up and to feel unmotivated and to just ah want to just roll over and go back to sleep and just tune everything out. And, and God says, yeah, I understand how you feel. These are valid feelings. Guess what? Paul had those feelings. So many people in the past have had those feelings and, and that's, that's okay to feel those things. But guess what? There's good news. There's good news. If we turn our eyes on Jesus... And, and reframe our circumstances, reframe our, our, our day schedule and look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Look at it with Jesus in mind. It gives us purpose. For example, for example, when work is grinding you down, picture Jesus as your real boss and, and ask yourself, what, what does Jesus want you to do or say in your work situation? What opportunities is he opening up for you through your work? So that as you get up and you work for him, let's say you're a teacher, who, and you, you change your mindset from, oh, these, these are the children and this is my job to, Jesus is my boss 
and he's asked me to care for these children, to minister to them, to, to, to care for their hearts and their minds and, and to help them grow up, to, to get to know him. And if you're a healthcare worker, your real purpose is, is to minister to your patients as Jesus would. How would Jesus minister to these people that God has placed in your care? So as an employee, your real purpose is to treat Jesus as your boss and to fulfill his work for you. So, so then every day becomes a little bit different. Every day, it's not the same old, same old. Every day, there's something new that God wants to teach, something, someone new that God wants you to reach. When relationships are getting you down, fix your eyes on Jesus. Picture him as your relationship counselor. What would Jesus have to say about what's happening in your relationship? How would he handle the conflict? Who would he want you to prioritize? And when the news is pulling you down, fix your eyes on Jesus. What is the reality of what God is doing in the world? Who is really in control? When challenges draw you down, fix your eyes on Jesus. What does he promise? What has he already done for you? How can you feel his comfort? So these are some of the questions that, that we can ask ourselves and we can ask God in prayer and that we can, we can, we can fix our eyes on Jesus. And, and, and it's kind of like things shift a little bit from the grind of every day to what are the possibilities of what God is doing inwardly in my life, you know, renewing my heart, my character, refining me, showing me my weaknesses and my strengths, helping me to discover God's plan for my life. What is God saying through the Bible, through other people, through nature, through your mind and your heart? As we learn to see with new eyes, we can see what is invisible and God increases our faith, our hope, our strength and endurance. In his letter to the uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 14, Paul says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we realize that we're not alone. We realize that there's a cloud of witnesses, people past and present who, who run with us and who encourage us by showing that, that there is hope, that we can keep going. People who inspire us with their incredible endurance themselves. You know, um, three months ago, I preached about Richard Wombrandt um, and how he endured incredible suffering, but how he continued to have hope, how he continued to have faith, how he continued to have love for his enemies. You know, so when you feel discouraged, go back and listen to those kinds of stories. Look at the cloud of witnesses. Go to the Bible and look for ESCAPE. It's an acronym. The escape stands for E, example to follow, sin to avoid, command to keep, advice to heed, promise to claim, expression to have. So instead of just reading and, you know, glossing over it, read the passage and ask yourself, 
you know, and I, and I used to do this by color coding because it's fun. <laughs> so, and I used to do blue for example to follow, red for sin to avoid, yellow for command to keep, green for advice to heed, blue for promise to claim, and orange for expression to have. So as you read a passage, you think, hmm, where's the example here? So, so we just read about Paul. He's the example to follow. What's the sin to avoid? Well, it's, it's the sin of, of saying God can't help me, right? Of, of giving up and, and God is saying, no, you keep going. And so there's, there's always uh, things that we can draw out from the passage to be our cloud of witnesses. The stories are there to be our witnesses, to tell us, hey, we've experienced this, we've done this, and, and we, we endured. And it gives us examples of people who didn't, and it shows us what, what happened when they gave up. It, it shows us what happened when they, they, they gave up their faith. And so these cloud of witnesses are, are, are there for us in all their messy, ugly chaos as well as the miraculous beauty when you feel like giving up listen to the witnesses and don't forget the living witnesses around us you know turn to your faith community turn to your spiritual friends and mentors we can cheer you on during the race we can pray with you we can listen to you you know this 80 kilometer um challenge that that we've done as a church community oh you're going to be amazed when you hear this, but I have never <laughs> consistently exercised so much in my life. Okay. I, I am not, I am not someone who loves to exercise and I've done it in the past, but I've never done it for four weeks straight day in and day out. I don't think I missed a, a, a single day. Every day I did, even if it was a little bit, I consistently went out every single day from July 20th until I finished, and, and I still went, um, you know, even after I finished this week. And I would not have done that if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for this challenge. Having this goal of, okay, I got to finish to 80 kilometers, right? And then pacing myself to know how much I have to do. And, it, and if it wasn't for the, for the cloud of witnesses, the, the community of, of knowing there are other people doing this. And, you know, this, this leaderboard, congratulations to all of you who finished there's still five days left. So, you know, keep going. Don't give up. But like, look at this incredible leader. Like, look at the top five. Like, Sam finished so quickly. And Ruth, even though um, being in pain, still went out and finished so quickly. And Niari, Michael, Erica, um, Linny, you know, Shane. And, and I think Janice is like almost finished. She's like two kilometers away, I think, when I checked. Um, and, oh, no, she finished, Roy said. So, you know, just... Keep this was only possible because of of the fact that I, I knew all these people are doing this with me. There's there's strength in community, there's strength in knowing we're all in this together. And so I want to remind you that, you know, not only in this challenge, and by the way, if I, I want to do this again because I, I, I need that goal. Now that it's finished, I'm like, oh man, I need it again. You know, it's so it helps so much to to stay motivated by having a goal. So um I'm gonna take a little bit of break and then in September, if anybody wants to join me for another challenge, um, please let me know. But it helps so much to have one, the goal, but two, the cloud of witnesses, the community, the people who are encouraging us, who are there for us to say, We can do this. We can do this together. And it doesn't matter who finishes first or last. It's it's not about that, right? It's about the fact that we're all in this to finish together. We're all heading towards the same goal. We are all heaven bound. At the end of Paul's life, he wrote to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, 
He knows he's about to die, and he says, "I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing." So I want to encourage you: keep your eyes on Jesus. Reframe your situation with Jesus in the center of it. And remember those who have walked before you, and those who are walking along with you now. And don't give up. Finish the race. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. And when you're discouraged, remember that you are not alone. You're not alone. Please pray with me, dear Heavenly Father. It's a difficult time. It's very exhausting. It's very discouraging. It's a time when we're filled with so much anxiety and uncertainty. But Father, fill us with hope, fill us with faith, fill us with that desire to turn our eyes to You and find in You our strength, to find in You our motivation, to be able to reframe our circumstances with You at the center of it, and 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 to and to find comfort in this community, in in the spiritual support of others, and. Also, to be a blessing, to be the ones like Ananias, to be bridge builders, to be encouragers, to be life changers, Lord, and help us at the end of this time to be able to look back and say, "Yeah, you are renewing us day by day inside, even though outside it looked like we were just wasting away." And so, Father, give us your mercy at this time. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. <laughs>